Good evening, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this second session, uh, our Advent study, Because of Bethlehem, Love is Born, Hope is Here. I'm going to pick up with the third uh, section here, the third chapter, Saved from Ourselves. But before I do that, let me open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, as we make this Advent journey, O oh God, uh, there's so much that catches the eye, Lord, and uh, buzzes the ear. I, I pray, Lord, that above all, we're feeding our soul, Lord, that we're taking that necessary time uh, to be with you in prayer and in the Word and in worship, Lord, and, and uh, always and, and above all, uh, being Christ. Uh, to one another. Lord, these are the holy things that are uh, vitally, spiritually important in this season as uh, the Christ child uh, comes once again to be uh, reborn into our hearts and to, Lord, uh, his second coming, that we need to be not scared of that, but spiritually prepared for that as well. So bless this uh, time together and those who are watching. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So, uh, chapter 3, Saved from Ourselves. There was uh, a few things that I wanted to mention here that were really spot on that uh, spoke to me here. Uh, firstly, uh, Pastor Lakato talks about um, his own uh, his own behavior, his own rebellious uh, behavior, his own uh, angry uh, behavior at times uh, during the holidays. Something that uh, we all can relate to. So I, I'm going to pick up there uh, with something that he says here that I think is uh, very poignant. He says. I'd like to blame my behavior on my state of mind, the stress of the traffic, the driver who nearly hit my car, or the passenger who pushed my buttons. We, we can all relate to that. Or what about when the, the buggy slams into the vehicle, right? I mean, we, we've all been there as well. Uh, but uh, I can blame my bizarre behavior on only one thing. And he says this, the punk... P-U-N-K, the punk inside of me. Uh, for a few minutes at a stoplight uh, near a shopping mall, I forgot who I was. And I thought, wow, that is so perfect. You know, we, we forget oftentimes who we are and we get uh, uh, reactional uh, instead of re responding, we we get very emotional. We get filled with anger, and we we lash out. Right? We forget who we are. So he says this. Uh, the Bible has a name for this punkish tendency. He says it's sin. The sinful nature is the stubborn, self-centered attitude that says my way or the highway. The sinful nature is all about self, pleasing self, promoting self, preserving self. Sin, here it is, is selfish. So, so you, you know, when we get in that state and then we calm down after the fact and the aftermath, how, how, how can we put words to this? Well, he's doing it for us. That's, that's what it is. It's, it, it, it's sinful, sinful nature that, of course, we're, we're born into. 
so do you, he says. I have sinful nature, and so do you. And then he puts in parentheses, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, he says. Under the right circumstances, you will do the wrong thing. How true is that? Uh, you want, won't, want to, though. Uh, you'll try not to, but you will. Why, he asks. Well, you have sin nature. Very, very poignant there. So he, he says this, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Let me say that again. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Each one of us entered the world with a sin nature. God entered the world to take it away. Christmas commemorates the day and the way God saved us from ourselves. Wow, what a what a gift, right? What a what a praise, what a blessing. Of course, all of the tinsel, all of the gifts, all of the lights, it, it, it oftentimes just kind of glosses over that eternal gospel reality, but it is there, and, and we certainly need to put our hearts there uh, as well. So, uh, Pastor says this, Jesus came to save us, not just from politics, enemies, challenges, or difficulties. He came to save us from our own sins. And here's why. God has high plans for you and me. He is recruiting for himself a people who will populate heaven. God will restore his planet and his children to their Garden of Eden splendor. It will be perfect, perfect in splendor, perfect in righteousness, perfect in harmony. One word describes heaven, church, and it's perfect. One word describes us, imperfect. Love that, love that. Big, big difference there, big divide, but Christ came right to to reconcile and, and bridge that divide. So uh, he says this, Having paid sin's penalty, Christ diffuses sin's power. The punk within diminishes, and the Christ within flourishes. God changes us day by day from one level to the next. We'll never be sinless, but we will sin less. Let, let me say that again. I've starred that and, and checked it. We'll never be sinless, right? but we will sin less, okay? John Wesley had, a, had another way of, of saying that. Um, he uh, he in, his, in his grace theology talked about, you know, once we have accepted Christ, there's, there's this conversion, and then it's this, this willingness or this spiritual desire, if you will, to go on to holiness and uh, and to become sanctified. Are we are we going to sin? Are we going to to slip up? Yes, because that is our human nature. But our our sin uh, debt has been taken care of. It's this it's this motivation to do right, to do better, to uh, exude, if you will, the image of Christ. 
uh, in what we do. So we'll never be sinless, right? And don't let anybody ever tell you different. But we will sin less. And when we do sin, we have this assurance. The grace that saved us also preserves us, he says. We may lose our tempers, our perspective, and our self-control, but we never lose our hope. And I think that's, that's so key. Why? Well, because God has his hold on us. He is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And that comes from Jude uh, verse uh, verse 24 there. Um, also here he says this, and only God saves us, not, not mankind, not, not some Hollywood figure, right? Uh, but God alone saves us. We, we, may, we may think we are the savior of the world. We, we may be elevated in man's standards, to save your status, but not in the eyes of God, because God only sent one Savior, His Son. So only God saves. And if we could save ourselves, why then would we need a Savior, he asks. Jesus did not enter the world to help us save ourselves. He entered the world to save us from ourselves. Let me say that again. Jesus did not enter the world to help us save ourselves. He entered the world to save us from ourselves. There we go. Said that, said that right. That was, uh, that was good. Okay, let me, uh, let me make a transition now to uh, chapter 4 here. It's called Hope for the Whole I days, okay, and uh, and we'll we'll explore uh, what uh, what that means here. Um, he says this. He says interruptions, interruptions. Think of daily, right? Uh, some sometimes hourly interruptions, right? They can stir fear and anxiety. Yes, indeed. They can steal our sleep and pickpocket our joy. Well put. Well put. Interruptions. Interruptions, they can cause us to question God and turn away even from God. And, and I would say, too, from, from whom we trust and love and, and adore and respect as well. Uh, you can be facing an interruption in this season of life. Indeed, yes. What you wanted and what you received do not match, right? So, so well put. Uh, and now you are troubled and anxious, even angry. Does that describe you? Interruptions. Interruptions. Okay. Um, he, here's, here's something that, uh, that really, really gets to the basis of this uh, chapter. He says, Christmas for him, for his family, uh, in, in, a, in a Christmas season in their own lives, felt more like a holiday, H-O-L-E dash I-D-A-Y, a holiday than a holiday. Maybe yours feels the same. More tear than cheer. More yuck than yule. Think about it in this way. And, and this, this really, really is just honest and raw here. 
but I, I, I found it so, so relevant. Holiday rather than a holiday. Maybe it's the sight of happy children, and it's a reminder in your own life of a vacant crib. Maybe the busy social schedule of some only highlights your empty one. Images of families together reinforce your pain of a family apart. Wow, wow, that's powerful. If this season is hard for you, if you're looking forward to December 26th more than December 25th, then I have a story for you to consider, a story of a young girl. And he goes into the gospel story of, of Mary and of uh, Mary being uh, promised the, the Christ child, the anxiety that was wrapped up uh, around that, her being overwhelmed, her, you, you, you know, of course, thinking that she would be ostracized from family, from the community, having the Christ child being uh, the virgin that she was, but yet pregnant. Um, so he, uh, he mentions that, and he goes on to say, through a scandalous pregnancy, an imposed census during that day and time, an untimely trip, and an overcrowded inn, God triumphed, and that's important, in Mary's story, right? It wasn't a story that ended in failure, defeat, and sadness. God made a way, church. God triumphed in her life. So he, he goes on to say, and he triumphed too in Matthew's genealogy. And, and I wanted to, wanted to mention this. He says, we don't often mention the lineage of Jesus in context with his birth, right? I mean, normally we would go to Luke chapter 2 and read that birth narrative. But he makes a good point here. He says, Matthew in that gospel he did. He spoke about the genealogy. He opens his gospel with a list with dozens of names. Before he presents the wise men and the star of Bethlehem, he tells us that Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah and Tamar and Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and that comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And the list goes on and on and on for 16 verses. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon. And then, and then he says, you know, yawn, like he's yawning, like he's tired. Let's skip then to the nativity story. Who needs to know about Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth? Okay, here we go. Why does Matthew mention David and Solomon before he mentions Joseph and Mary? Well, of course, he's making a point, Matthew is. He's speaking to a Jewish 
audience, okay, uh, an eyewitness account to that particular audience. So he knows his audience. Chaos, here it is, chaos cannot keep Jesus Christ out of this world, and that's very important. The Messiah was born not because of his ancestors, but in spite of them. Tamar was abandoned, Ruth was an immigrant, and Rahab was a harlot. David was an adulterer, Solomon was a philanderer. The family tree of Jesus is gnarled and crooked. Some of the kings were bloodthirsty and godless. Yet God had promised that Jesus would come, and Jesus came. Hence the triumphant conclusion of the genealogy. And here it is. Jacob was the father of Joseph, who married a woman named Mary. It was Mary who gave birth to Jesus, and it is Jesus who is the Savior, the Anointed One. So Christ came, in spite of sin and scandal. Christ came. In spite of sexism, racism, Christ came. Though the people forgot God, Christ came. In spite of and out of all of this pandemonium, Scripture reveals to us that Christ came. The surprise pregnancy, the sudden census, the long road from Nazareth to Bethlehem, unpleasant and difficult, yet they resulted in the world's greatest miracle. And Mary, Scripture says, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And that comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Everything before this happened so that this moment would happen. Was the first Christmas different from what Mary had planned? Absolutely. But it turned out greater than she could have dreamed. God used the struggles to accomplish his will. Now, don't you need that reminder this Christmas season? In your world of short nights, hard work, and high stress, don't you need to know that Jesus holds it all together? So true. So, we, we, we think about more calamity, pandemonium, and years past, and in today's present world, when terrorists attack, when diseases rage, when COVID, the next wave of COVID comes, when family collapses, when churches divide, when all that is good falls apart, what can good people do? What is the godly response to the unexpected mishaps and calamities of life? Listen to this. Curiously, David did not answer his question with an answer, okay? He answered it with a declaration. Ah, there we go. Sometimes the answers are not fully or clearly revealed to us, church. No matter what we're going through as uh, individuals, as families, as a church, as a denomination, Sometimes the answers are not fully developed or clarified. So he says, when that happens, David, here, the writer of Psalms, he answered, not with an answer, right, 
but with a declaration. And he says this, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His throne in heaven. His point is unmistakable. When everything shakes, God remains unshakable. He is in His holy temple. His plan will not be derailed. God is unaffected by our storms, and He is undeterred by our problems. When everything shakes, church, God remains unshaken. A declaration that we all need to take to heart. So let me close with this. God has made a business out of turning tragedy into triumph. He did it with Joseph, with Moses, with Daniel, and most of all, he did it with Jesus on the cross. The one who was innocent was slaughtered. Heaven's gift was murdered. Mothers wept, evil danced, and the apostles had to wonder, when all that is good falls apart, what do good people do? And here it is, God answered their question. He answered it with a declaration. With the rumble of the earth and the rolling of the rock, he reminded them, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his throne in heaven. And that's from Psalm eleven four. by the way. Is your Christmas a difficult one? Then take heart. God is still in his temple, still on his throne, still in control. He still makes princes out of prisoners, counselors out of captives, Sundays out of Fridays, and he still brings beauty out of Bethlehem's. He did then for them. He still does for you and me today. A good, strong ending. Because of Bethlehem, love is born, hope is here. Amen. We will end there for this evening's uh, study. Uh, for uh, next week, we'll, uh, we'll do chapter 5 and 6. It's never too late, and worship works wonders. So, with that said, let me close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, uh, such good uh, wisdom here, Lord, that's uh, biblical, Lord, that's well grounded in Scripture, Lord. I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that no matter who we are, no matter where we are in life, no matter what our heavy burdens or sadness is in this very moment that we can remember Bethlehem, what happened in Bethlehem, that uh, Jesus uh, reigns regardless, that he was born, that he died, that he was resurrected, and that he reigns. Lord, life is topsy-turvy. It goes backward, it goes forward, it goes to the left and to the right. It's all over the place. Life is messy, but God reigns, and he is always and will forever be in control. I pray in the name of Jesus that in this time, Lord, we can open our hearts for Jesus to be born, Lord, 
in our lives once again and to be prepared for his second coming. Lord, bless those who are watching. Bless this evening and bless this Advent season. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Folks, you have a wonderful evening and I will see you next week. Take care and God bless.